Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Great America Show. I'm Lou Dobbs. Happy to have you with us. With all that's happening in these wild and uncertain times in our country right now, it's easy to miss the sometimes small or shadowed events that could change our lives in America. Easy for any of us to not notice that communist China is buying up strategic assets in the United States, whether farmland or pork processing plants or any number of businesses we don't know about simply because the Biden regime might have simply forgotten to tell us. And it's also easy for us to lose sight of what's happening out there in other parts of the planet that may well change the world we live in. Communist China is not so quietly sending spy balloons overhead and loudly threatening Taiwan and even Western civilization as a whole. And Xi Jinping has rather boldly made himself the Chinese leader for life, a perfect dictator of a massive totalitarian state that is supported enthusiastically, but for the most part quietly, by the globalist elites in this country, corporate CEOs and boards, Marxist Democrats and Marxist academics and Marxist media and technology companies, all greatly taken by the fierce efficiency and mountainous scale of communist China and its ever larger ambitions for China's role in global governance. She won a shuddering transformational diplomatic victory in the Mideast when he mediated and shaped an all but unimaginable alliance between Saudi Arabia and Iran unimaginable at least to the Biden regime, and even more unimaginable to the Elfin Biden team, is what could lie ahead, what could establish Xi's position as leader of a new world order. That is what may come as a result of his upcoming visit to Moscow and talks with his strategic partner, Vladimir Putin. Perhaps a truce in the Russian war against Ukraine. It is possible no more than that. But if it does come to pass, Biden is no longer leader of the free world, and the world order will be altogether a different geopolitical construction. Our guests today are China expert Gordon Chang and political analyst, consultant, and pollster John McLaughlin for the external and the internal views of what is happening in our country and outside our country. We turn now to Gordon Chang, radio host, author, Asia expert, Great to have you with us, Gordon. Xi, on his way to Moscow, Russia's war against Ukraine intensifying. The China virus did originate in Wuhan, says our Energy Department Intel Agency. And our intelligence agencies, all of them, it turns out, knew it in April of 2020. What is going on? Well, the U.S. intelligence community, Lou, has 18 constituent parts, and the Energy Department is one of them. And um, the, the IC, as it's called, doesn't agree among themselves. Um, but the Energy Department came around to the view 
that COVID-19 was the result of a lab leak. And that certainly uh, is right, I believe. Um, there's just too much evidence to the contrary. Also, you know, uh, the scientific community loves the idea of a zoonotic transfer. In other words, a natural transfer of the pathogen from a bat, probably in Yunnan province, to an intermediary mammal, to a human in Wuhan. But that, for many, many reasons, is not very likely. And by the way, even after all this time, no one's been able to document the transmission links that would prove that theory. So um, I'm, I'm with the Energy Department. I think it was a leak from a lab, and certainly that would be the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Well, I'm going to go back a few years, uh, actually, to uh, late February and early March of uh, 2020, uh, when when I said flat out, it not only did it come from that laboratory, it had to be engineered based on my layman's understanding of what uh, a bioweapon would look like and be configured as. And the very reason that people were saying that it wasn't engineered was the reason I believe it to be engineered. And that is, uh, they said, well, it couldn't have been a chemical, I mean, a biological weapon because it didn't kill everyone. It's precisely its ability to debilitate uh, and deter that makes it an ideal uh, biological weapon, in my opinion. Your thoughts? You're absolutely right about that, because what it does do is it lays a society low, as we saw not only in our country, but elsewhere. Most diseases which kill at a high probability um, are usually not transmissible. And the reason is that um, they kill their hosts. Um, COVID-19 um, did kill, of course, but it was extremely transmissible, and especially as we have seen it mutate into um, its recent variants, um, and especially the experience in China over the last several months shows just how transmissible this was. But, Lou, you know, there's one point that we should make, and that is that although, you know, we could argue about whether this started out as engineered, and I agree with you, I think it's engineered, but a lot of people don't, but China, if, if this didn't start out as a biological weapon, China turned it into one. They turned it into one by two things. First of all, uh, we know that in January 2020 and probably in December 2019, they were lying about transmissibility of this disease. They knew no later than the second week of December of 2019 that SARS-CoV-2, this pathogen, was highly transmissible human to human, but they told the world it was not. And then in later January, when they were locking down their own country, and lockdowns are controversial, but by locking down their own country, they were telling the world they thought this was an effective means of disease control. They were pressuring other countries, especially the United States, to take arrivals from China without travel restrictions or quarantines. You put those two things together, and it's 100% that China turned this into a biological weapon if it wasn't one to start out with. They deliberately spread this disease beyond China's borders, including, of course, to the United States. And it's important to also note, I believe, that they did so without a word of warning from Xi Jinping or anyone in the Chinese government, which means that they were morally, if not consciously and overtly, responsible for the murder of a million Americans. It's that straightforward. And there has, whether it is President Trump, whether it is President Biden. We have not held them accountable. And that is a sin, I believe, that will be uh, uh, notable 
uh, over the course of uh, the history that is written about this era. And, and Lou, um, Robert Redfield, who was the head of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, uh, was told on January 3, 2020, by his Chinese counterpart that this disease was not contagious. And the Chinese knew it was highly contagious. So this was, this was out and out lying. And that lie to um, Redfield and lies to other people, including Fauci and Deborah Birx, they prevented the Trump administration from taking the precautions that they would have if mm -hmm. the Chinese had told the truth. I was talking with uh, Fauci, uh, interviewing him in late January, February, uh, and he was maintaining that there was absolutely no reason whatsoever to put uh, any kind of controls on air travel into the United States. He was also at one point suggesting there was no reason to have masks. Then he said there were masks. He went back and forth on that. But he he never changed his view on the fact that uh, transmissible uh, COVID-bearing uh, people from mainland China should be allowed into the United States. On its face, that's just ignorant. Uh, and, uh, and in retrospect, the man had to know uh, that at the very least he was dissembling, if not outright lying. Absolutely. And there's something else he lied about, and that is, um, you know, in, in 2014, the Obama administration imposed a moratorium on the federal funding of gain-of-function research. It was just considered to be too dangerous. So what did Fauci do? He outsourced gain-of-function research to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. In other words, to what appeared to be, or what should have appeared to him, to be a Chinese biological weapons lab. Mm -hmm. And we know this because there are actually two public scientific papers, 2016 and 2017, by researchers of the Wuhan Institute of Virology describing gain-of-function research and in their footnotes specifically thanking um, the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, which is the one institute that Fauci ran, specifically acknowledging funding from Fauci's institution at, N at NIH. So, you know, his, he lied to uh, Senator Rand Paul during in the Senate twice. And I think that he's been covering for what he's been doing uh, with China. And that is part of the crime of the century. You know, Fauci says, oh, I think this is a zoonotic transfer. Oh, no, 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 it can't be. Because Fauci actually funded the creation of COVID-19, I believe. And that, uh, that exchange, those exchanges between Senator Rand Paul and Dr. Fauci are, are the st stuff of great both uh, historical value and uh, uh, reve revealing of what was actually happening because Rand Paul had figured it out uh, long before uh, anyone else in that chamber. And the, the reality is that Fauci was lying through his teeth when he was speaking about uh, gain of function, uh, the, the deadliness and the transmissibility of this disease. And I want to go to bring this back, if I may, to those 18 uh, elements of the in, intelligence community, and including the Energy Department. I've, I've spent some time in a number of the national laboratories. I, I am just stunned to find that there is no greater supervision. Each time I've been there, I've been astonished at the lack of security, 
uh, in any one of those laboratories uh, doing whatever the, the science is, uh, whether it's Los Alamos, you name the laboratory. Uh, it's, it's stunning to see how lack of data, they're run like uh, universities uh, rather than laboratories that in the, for national security. Your thoughts about them being part of uh, the energy, the energy, the intelligence community. Yeah, one of the things that's really interesting, Lou, is that scientists believe that other scientists could never be evil. And although a scientist in China is working at a biological weapons lab, you know, it never occurs to American scientists that they might actually be trying to weaponize um, scientific research. And, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, we've heard so many instances of uh, spies from China, for instance, walking into American labs and just downloading information, data, um, and basically pillaging that. And obviously, we just don't have a clue. You would think that after all the, you would think just in general, as you point out, but especially after all this time, we would understand what's going on. We don't, obviously. Well, some of us, some of us don't understand, nor, and I think it's to everyone's credit who doesn't understand, because when you look at a federal government uh, that is being run the way ours is, I can't find a single element of the federal government that is is immune or has any basis to claim uh, a lack of corruption. I have great uh, excellence of work. It just isn't happening. Uh, our military can't claim that they're a better military than 30 years ago. Uh, the NIH, I have no idea, frankly, how effective they are, but they are not making claims uh, on excellence by any stretch of the imagination. Our national laboratories are preserved more, they should be called preservatories for all of the advanced work that, uh, that, that they are accomplishing, at least in public view. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, that, that's absolutely right. You know, and the military is the one which um, I focus on. And, and the reason is you have a China which is obviously preparing to go to war. It's, it's not just the buildup of the military. It's also Xi Jinping, the Chinese ruler, trying to sanction-proof his regime. And most ominously, um, the Chinese trying to mobilize um, the civilian population for war. But we have a Pentagon that has no sense of urgency. And it's a Pentagon that's more interested these days in social justice issues than protecting the United States. And we have something approximating the hollow military of the Carter years. So um, I can't think of anything more dangerous um, than the situation we have now. We have a federal government in general that is out of control, um, that has ceased functioning as it should. And, and we need a Ronald Reagan to come in and uh, do what he did. Um, because if we don't, we're going to be swallowed up by our government. I mean, as, as uh, Reagan said, you know, the government is dangerous. Well, we've got a lot to talk about when it comes to China, when it comes to national security here today. Uh, but I, I think you're raising another point that I, I hadn't uh, thought about discussing today, but I think it's important in what you're saying. We need another Ronald Reagan. I wonder if we are beyond the one leader uh, role in this country. That is the presidency that is uh, we can rely upon one man or woman to lead this country. And, and by that, I mean this. Joe Biden is showing us 
a, a true imperial presidency. He is doing things unilaterally without even consultation, let alone the agreement of and the consent of the government, the governed, uh, and of course our Senate and House of Representatives. Uh, Janet Yellen is in Ukraine, giving them another one and a quarter billion dollars, a surprise present from the Biden regime for uh, Zelensky uh, and Ukraine. We don't know where the money is going. Uh, in uh, in Smith the other day, this uh, senior spokesman for the White House saying uh, to James Comer that he didn't like the idea that uh, he was actually being very vicious in it, uh, attacking Comer because Comer, the head of the Oversight Committee, wanted to know where the hell those taxpayer dollars were going. This is We have reached a level here of a dictatorial presidency. We've gone well beyond imperial. Yeah. Um, Biden ran as a moderate, um, but he has governed as a radical. Um, and you go back, people say, well, Trump changed things a lot. But Trump ran saying, what he was going to do. And, and, you know, God help him, he actually did it. Um, so there was no falseness in advertising with uh, Trump. But with Biden, we've got a very different presidency than the American people thought that they were electing um, in 2020. And we have a chance, we're a democracy, we have a chance to rectify that in next year. And we really have to do that because we have a runaway federal government, as I was mentioning. Well, China, for example, is is dealing with Joe Biden, uh, who they basically bought. Uh, when you look at the tens of millions of dollars that the Biden family, uh, referring to uh, Congressman Comer and the Oversight Committee, saying they have abundant evidence, uh, overwhelming evidence. Uh, of on the business dealings and and Joe Biden's knowledge of those dealings as they investigate influence peddling. This is a a time in which the presidency has more power than at any time in the history of this country. And it's not an accident because famously Barack Obama said as long as he had the power of the uh, of his telephone and his pen, uh, he would you know, he'd be just fine with with Congress opposing him. And this is the third term of Barack Obama, obviously. So there we have it. These these Democrats, these Marxist Dems are running this just as a in, in just as totalitarian a manner uh, as would a, a, a leader of the Soviet Union for crying out loud. Yeah, you know what's paradoxical? You know, just a couple of days ago, Biden gave an interview to David Muir of ABC, and he said that China's peace plan for Ukraine was not rational. Right. That Biden was wrong. Um, yes, the peace plan that China proposed was very one-sided for Russia, but it was rational if you thought that the Chinese did not respect Biden. Um, and that's exactly what's happened. They, they think they can fly a spy balloon over the United States. They think they can do this. They think they can do that. And they propose one-sided peace plans because fundamentally they do not think that Biden can oppose them. And so it is paradoxical that although, as you point out, that Biden is the most powerful president in history, um, our enemies don't view it that way. They view him as, as weak as basically presiding over a society in terminal decline. 
And that means this is an extremely dangerous moment in history because the Chinese do not respect the United States. We are not deterring them. And therefore, we're seeing war in Ukraine and we're seeing spy balloons and we're seeing one sided peace plans. I, I think you're exactly right. And I also think it's important that the people of Europe understand uh, that only with this president could they get away with what they're doing right now with your Ukraine aflame, devastated, and much of it destroyed. Uh, tens of millions of people uh, displaced. Uh, and the, the death toll, I don't know, but it's got to be in the hundreds of thousands, it would seem to me. Uh, to look at that and think that we're talking about the European, the modern European Union. Uh, this is 27 countries, 28 if you include the Brexited uh, UK, a, a, a an economy that is almost that of the United States and uh, in some in nominal terms, actually larger than China itself. And we are the ones shipping hundreds of billions of dollars to Ukraine. Our troops are on the eastern flank. Uh, we're doing proposed, at least uh, about to do uh, maneuvers with uh, Poland and Germany. And where in the world is NATO? And why is the United States uh, going over with the Secretary of Treasury, uh, the Vice President, the, the you know, all of these folks from the Biden regime and the president himself for a photo op in Kiev? It is mindless. These people are living three decades behind uh, the current economic and political realities. Yeah. NATO without the United States is nothing. And I think that it is no coincidence that we had two world wars last century, that one started in um, Europe, the other one um, was continued in Europe. Um, probably, world War II probably started in Asia, but the big, the big fighting started in Europe in 1939. And, and I think it's largely because of the structure of Europe. And, and the Europeans after World War II tried to remedy that by the European Union and by NATO and other things. But clearly, Europe has not coalesced. It is not able to defend itself. It is the United States. And that has all sorts of repercussions, some of which we are seeing right now. And it means that Europe is not a source of stability, Lou, as we all thought it was at some point, but it really is a source of instability. And it could be very well the start of the Third World War. And as I said, that's no coincidence. It's it's Europe, the structure of Europe itself. Yeah, and it's also the, the, the woeful lack of leadership on the part of the largest members of the European Union and NATO, whether it's Germany, whether it's France, uh, the UK. Uh, they have not uh, since, well, uh, the 80s on. I had great leadership in the UK uh, or Germany uh, or France, the principal economies of the European Union, uh, or of Europe, I should say, since the, I, I'm still trying to get used to the fact that the UK hasn't withdrawn from the European Union despite their vote over the course of the next decade, perhaps they will. It, it, it is, it's an economy larger than anyone credits they have less debt than the United States, and we are shipping money to Ukraine. Uh, we are doing almost nothing in Southeast Asia. 
uh, we're doing almost nothing with Japan and the Philippines. We have awakened to the fact that we do need uh, to be uh, positioned strategically in uh, in the Philippines and be more engaged with the Japanese and beyond, I think. South Korea is obviously as well. We are, this is not a foreign policy that we're watching. This is an ad hoc, uh, a la carte approach to reactionary uh, geopolitics. And let me remind your listeners of something that you taught me, and that is we just completely neglected Latin America and the Caribbean. I mean, these are countries very close to us. These are countries that are exporting problems to us. And we're still not paying attention to um, our own region. Um, and, and you were the first to sound the alarm on this. Um, so it's, it's really important that, yeah, Asia is important. And I, of course, I think Asia is important because I focus on China. But um, we need to make sure that we have a secure hemisphere because we have the Chinese and the Russians and the Iranians and God knows who else um, creating trouble in Latin America and the Caribbean. China, for instance, is building or has built what looks like the next Chinese naval base which is in Freeport in the Bahamas, 87 miles east of Palm Beach, for God's sakes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're there, they have a container port, which is failing. The Chinese can very well take it over because they built it. They could put their Navy in there. I mean, through, how through the Belt and Road program, right. Belt and Road program. Um, and it's not the only Chinese port project in the region. They own the Panama Canal at both ends. Um, and they are um, infiltrating the region, destabilizing governments, you name it. And and if we're going to talk about alarms and regions, certainly nothing is more important than that which is most proximate uh, militarily and uh, in geopolitics. The, the Caribbean, Central America, South America, there is no way in the world we should be tolerating this and we should be responding powerfully uh, to the intrusion. But we're not. When it was Barack Obama, remember, who famously on a fine November day decided to announce that the Monroe Doctrine was dead. Uh, this is the kind of madness that has been heaped upon us. Uh, Jimmy Carter decided that we shouldn't, we shouldn't be engaged with the Panama Canal and in some sort of massive historic uh, virtue signaling, decided to turn it back to Panama and leave it wide open for what are, what is it the Biden administration likes to call them, the competitors of the United States? They're the damn enemies of the United States. Right. I mean, we have, just to take one of those problems, I mean, we have all of those border crossings right now um, from Central America. Um, and the reason is that those areas were decimated by China's entry into the World Trade Organization. Factories left every country in our hemisphere, but it's but as well as in Central America. And and now Central Americans, without hope, without jobs, they want to migrate to the United States. But we can stabilize that. Um, we can bring factories back to the United States. We could also bring some factories which wouldn't come back to American soil. They could go to Central America and get cheaper labor than they have in China. And that would stabilize those societies, which means we wouldn't have millions of people trying to cross our border. And by the way, Lou, there are increasing numbers, dramatically increasing numbers of Chinese refugees. Most of them are real refugees, but I'm sure the Ministry of State Security has put um, their agents in that refugee flow 
um, to act as saboteurs and um, to act as saboteurs at the time they get a signal. So we got a real problem in our border. It's not just fentanyl is a Chinese problem. We've got probably Chinese agents coming across our border, um, not monitored. I think unquestionably. And furthermore, we have no interior immigration enforcement. We have no appetite whatsoever, no political will in this country to defend that border. It has it has de facto been turned over to uh, the, the Mexican drug cartels who are working hand in glove with the Chinese for fentanyl uh, pharmaceutical ingredients. And their and their scientists, as you well know, uh, are are helping those cartels in the manufacture of fentanyl that is now coming into this country in ever greater, massive, deadly quantities. And when I say deadly, we're talking about the capacity to kill the American pop, the American population two or three times over. Yes. Some of those fentanyl seizures recently um, are so large that they could kill every American. And we know that um, the Communist Party is backing the fentanyl gangs because um, in China's total surveillance state, those fentanyl gangs could not operate without the approval of the party. And the gangs actually launder their money through the Chinese state, the Chinese state banking system. Chinese diplomats support the fentanyl gangs. And we're not holding um, the Communist Party to account. And that's... um, Two years ago, that was about 77,000 Americans who had died from illegal fentanyl doses. When we get the numbers for last year, it's probably going to be in excess of 80,000 for sure. Um, That's 80,000 Americans who have been murdered um, last year by Communist Party, in addition to the COVID deaths. Yeah. Well, when you start looking at what is happening, uh, the Chinese military uh, strategists, and some of them going back as far as Sun Tzu, uh, acknowledging that to not fight a war is even better than winning a war. And what we are watching is a country that is strategically going after the United States in every way, subverting it wherever it can, uh, covertly, uh, and now in plain view. And there is such little appetite, stomach, or if you will, guts on the part of the American public to contend with what is in their face, and that is their own, they're being bled every day. We are being bled every day by the Chinese Communist Party, whether it is the theft of intellectual property, whether it is the purchase of farmland and strategically placed uh, real estate, whether it be companies, front companies that are running, uh, gaming us every day for hundreds of billions of dollars in intellectual property are outright theft of. Uh, It is... It is sickening to watch what this country doesn't have the courage or the wits uh, to deal with. Yeah, I've been talking to a lot of audiences around the country, um, and I think the American people know what to do. It's just that the political leadership is corrupted or naive or just stupid. But whatever it is, we're not being defended by the people that we elected. The American people, I think, are angry, Lou. Um, They want to do something. And by God, we're going to do it because we got elections coming up next year and we can change things and we will change things. Not with Ronald McDaniels, the head of the RNC, 
not with the the, the contentious uh, divide in the Republican Party, the establishment attacking Donald Trump, the leader of the party, the only person in the Republican Party who has had an original idea in, I think, decades. Uh, he is he is being gamed, attacked from every quarter. He is being politically persecuted uh, in favor of establishment, uh, what would I call them, uh, dupes, uh, that the American people, you saw that uh, Jeb Bush came out and uh, uh, supporting Ron DeSantis. I have no problem with Ron DeSantis, but Ron DeSantis it, it's, is not, I think, on the right side of history or the right time in history. Uh, it, it is ridiculous to watch this and to see what uh, a number of networks are doing. They pick their, their favorites, and, and they are pressing forward with establishment candidates. And we have an electorate who can't even get an honest election uh, time after time. We're watching it rigged, if you will, whatever you want to call it, uh, stolen. Uh, this is absurd to see these illegitimate elections and and people walking around with their, uh, you know, their heads on their hands, uh, woefully saying, "Well, you know, we're just not going to be able to engage." Some are, no question about it. Those are America Firsters. Those are MAGA Republicans. But unfortunately, the party has so many rhinos and right and rhino liberals. Uh, that it's enough to make you sick to your stomach. We all need more Lou Dobbs in our life because you called it early, Lou, and you have never wavered. And, you know, I have, and so many people across the country, because they tell me, they look at you and they say, his ideas are what are going to save us. Well, that's very kind. I Now we need to have somebody to, uh, you know, to actually go get them. Uh, and as you and I are talking about, to be energized and uh, devoted to uh, this country and drive drive every single idea to implementation. Uh, think about what we have to do. I mean, Donald Trump wants to build a wall. Uh, you know, frankly, I'd never thought about building a wall. I was against uh, illegal immigration. But you know what? It makes all the sense in the world. It is a practical matter, and as a practical matter, it's employed, by the way, including, what is it, the, the, the Great Wall of China is, what, 13,000, 14,000 miles long? I, I mean, if they can do it and live by it, why could, why could we not? Right. Yeah, it was, it was meant to keep out the Manchu invaders. And um, I do remember that when Nancy Pelosi was speaker, she built a chain-link fence around the Capitol. Um, you know, these people lived in wall, live in walled compounds. So, yeah, walls do make sense. And so much makes sense. Uh, lower taxes instead of higher uh, accountability of the American people, things like consent of the governed, uh, co-equal branches of government uh, and accountability. I, I just I hope that we can get to that point. Uh, but waiting for the next election. And I, I, I have to say to you, I don't believe we can wait. I saw a picture of Ronald McDaniel today talking about uh, loyalty oaths. Uh, I want to see the loyalty oath to the United States uh, of America is going to be a loyalty oath. Uh, and I'm not so sure some of these folks uh, who call themselves politicians and Republicans uh, who are actually rhinos, who act in absolute disregard of their citizenship in this great republic. Your thoughts? Yeah, I I'm a political independent, um, but I can't believe the Republican Party um, 
uh, where the Republican National Committee uh, reelected Rona McDaniel. I was shocked. I mean, I don't follow these things, Lou, but I, I figured that um, a record of failure would merit expulsion, but apparently not in the Republican Party. Not uh, not in the Republican Party, certainly. Uh, it is, uh, I, the, I think, the healthiest thing I've seen happen to the Republican Party since the election of Donald Trump has been uh, the the bargaining that took place between the Freedom Caucus and, and the so-called 20 uh, who bargained with uh, Kevin McCarthy for the speakership and to get representation of good, strong, American, committed uh, conservatives and Republicans who want the best for this nation and put America first. Uh, that's, uh, to me, it is exhilarating to see the weaponization committee, the so-called new church uh, committee, uh, dealing with the weaponization of the U.S. government, and also, without question, the China committee, to have the courage to do that and to move forward. And they are moving forward. Your thoughts about all of that? Lou, it's Lexington and Concord time. Um, this time is consequential because we Americans, um, we are our own last line of defense. Well said. And uh, as always, we give our guests the, the last word here, Gordon. And if I may turn to you for your concluding thoughts on this beautiful day in America. It's a beautiful day in America, um, but it is a time where we have to save our republic. Um, we can We can lose it, Lou. Um, we can lose it not just to the Chinese and the Russians and all the rest. We can lose it to the forces in our own country. Um, you know, when I was growing up, I was, you know, I was thinking, I, I thought about Rome and I said, how could Rome fall apart? You know, America will never fall apart. And in the last couple of years, I've seen America fall apart. So we've got to go out and save it. And so I'm with you. Well, I am delighted because I'm with you, Gordon, and uh, I appreciate it. And uh, we're with the, with this, most importantly, we're with this great American Republic of ours. And uh, you're, you're terrific to spend so much time with us here today. As always, we appreciate, appreciate your insight and your, your knowledge uh, and your wisdom. Gordon Chang, thank you. Thank you, Lou. Thanks, as always, to our friend Gordon Chang. And now we turn to the internal political realities with one of the country's leading political strategists and pollsters, John McLaughlin. Great to have you here on The Great America Show, John. Give us your perspective now and your thoughts about America in this strange, sometimes bizarre political period we're living through. Well, I think we're really at a unique time in American history because Donald Trump was a very unique president historic president in that he beat the Washington, the Republican establishment for the nomination. Then he beat the Washington establishment for the uh, election. And, you know, they beat him or they at least took the presidency four years ago. And now he's coming back and we're 320 days away from the first votes being cast in the Iowa caucus. Wow. And right. It's a, but He's the front runner. And he announced in November after the election, and there was a little waning during the holidays. And what we have now is, I mean, in our last poll at the end of February, uh, Donald Trump was ahead of the Republican field in a multi-candidate race, 42 to 26. Um, 
he definitely was beating Ron DeSantis in a one-to-one challenge, 56 to 38, which is higher than January. He's 52 to 40. And he's leading Joe Biden, 48-44. And he's had that lead nationally over Joe Biden since Biden surrendered Afghanistan. So we're really in a unique phase where you have a president who, by the way, when you ask Republican primary voters, should you run again? 57% said yes. And 76% said they'll support him to only 20% no if he runs again among these Republican primary voters. Mm -hmm. So there's a gap between his actual vote and should he run again? And we asked him why they weren't supporting him. It wasn't that they didn't dislike him. They're just looking at the other candidates. And what we're seeing is now is Donald Trump is back out on the stump. He's gone to South Carolina, New Hampshire. He's going to be going to Iowa. He made a a great visit to East Palestine when these people in Ohio were suffering after the Biden administration, you know, just totally bungled a toxic train derailment where they've opened up this 21st century love canal where they've definitely... uh, poison the people of Ohio and Pennsylvania with what's going on. And Joe Biden took off to Ukraine to give hundreds of, you know, uh, millions of dollars to the Ukrainians or billions of dollars to the Ukrainians while Americans here are suffering and could use that money. And he still hasn't been to East Palestine. But the big the big difference was Donald Trump went there told those people and he brought his own, you know, he's a he's a corporate businessman. He brought his own bottled water and went to the McDonald's, was buying food for people. And he's doing what he could as a citizen. And uh, people are hurting. So it's really historic in that the conditions that allowed Donald Trump to win in 2016 have only become exponentially more aggravated since then, where he is now, I mean, his his speech at CPAC was, was great because it was a clarion call to the working men and women of America. Mm-hmm against the political establishment. And, uh, uh, you know, he, he just had a tremendous uh, success at uh, CPAC, which was held inside the Beltway. And he had these conservatives come over, 2,000 conservatives cast their vote, which they have to pay to go to the conference. And only one person gets to vote there. You know, we do the survey. My brother Jim oversaw it. And, uh, you know, only one person gets a vote. And you have to be a participant in the conference. And uh, Donald Trump won 62% of the vote. Ron DeSantis didn't even go, but he got 20%. And, uh, you know, when they asked him for vice president, uh, Carrie Lake got 19% to DeSantis is 14 to Nikki Haley's 10. So uh, Donald Trump is really gaining momentum because two thirds of the country, 65% say we're on the wrong track. They say the economy is getting worse, not better, 61 to 33%. Still four to five voters been impacted by inflation, 37% telling us that they can't even make ends meet for basic necessities. So, you know, Donald Trump is is getting ready to move the country forward again. And we've got 320 days to go till we start voting in the Iowa caucuses, then eight days later, uh, New Hampshire. So it's a marathon, but it's but he's up for it. That, that number, uh, 40 40 points is pretty significant, uh, even if it is a straw poll at, <clears throat> excuse me, at uh, CPAC. I, I mean, that's that's impressive. I don't know that has there ever been one any stronger than that. No, I mean, I mean, when 95 percent of those voters there uh, approved of the job he did as president and uh, the vast majority strongly approved. And, you know, this is 
he's it's not the 20th century with Ronald Reagan where it's morning in America. And I used to go, we loved Ronald Reagan. He was great. He was my, you know, my hero at the time. And now you've got Donald Trump and things in America are not as, as good as it was in the 20th century. Um, so when you look at what's going on with the middle class and the exploitation and what's going on with China in the world and what's going on with the, you know, you've got Russia invading Ukraine, they're not afraid of Joe Biden. And, uh, it's it's these are these are times where most Americans will tell you the country's gone backwards and we have never gone backwards before in our history. And for most voters to feel that way, there's anger right now at the ruling class, the elites, the establishment. And forget when you get, you know, a couple thousand conservatives traveling inside the beltway to send the establishment a message at a conference where they're they literally you know, went at the establishment, they went at the ruling class of the country. And, uh, you know, they're being censored, they're being uh, shunned by by these people that exploit us. And, you know, the, the grassroots around the country are being rallied uh, by Donald Trump once again, to give them hope that we can take back our country. Yeah, they are the forgotten Americans who Donald Trump embraced in 2015 and 2016. And, and won the presidency, uh, that and that's before him again. Uh, we are in a different situation, though, and, and uh, than in 2016, we have greater clarity about the role of the federal government, the political corruption of the federal government, the so-called deep state. We have no, I think most Americans now have no illusions about what the Democrat Party is. It is a Marxist-led party with a Marxist agenda, and they mean to destroy everything from the nuclear family uh, to the founding values of the country and to roll over uh, this political system into a one-party system. It's not the uniparty, as some insist on calling it. It's not a, uh, a two-tier justice system. It's one party, one centralized, autocratic, totalitarian government. Uh, that they dream of and which they do better than dream because they're actually executing the plan and doing so, I think, brilliantly, while Republicans, independents, libertarians are all sitting there slack-jawed at what is happening before their very eyes and what is happening nearly every day in Washington, D.C. Your thoughts? I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, uh, you know, when I read Mark Levin wrote about uh, that book about American Marxists, I didn't know these names, didn't you know, really register, but you can see it all around you when you know that people like George Soros are financing this with their uh, nonprofits, with their open borders, their, uh, uh, you know, nonprofits that are funding the cashless bail. You had a situation this week where uh, uh, a bunch of people, ter terrorists attacked like the police academy in Atlanta, Georgia. And right. one of them was a lawyer for the Southern Poverty Legal Center. And what it is, is it's like you said, it's a Marxist communist uh, plot where they know who they are and they're basically, you know, trying to take down every institution and value in America so that so that a handful of people can, you know, take over the government and tell the rest of us what to do and uh, take away our democracy and our freedoms and our right to free speech. So uh, so this is an existential battle because the sad part is uh, the establishment of the elites in the country. You know, they would rather have control like the Republican Party is the first hurdle in that um, you've got a situation where the grassroots in the Republican Party uh, 
really resent what the country club Republicans are doing to us right now. And basically they need to realize that the caddies are now about to take over the country club and we're going to run it and we're going to get our president elected again. And we're tired of them losing elections or going along with, uh, with the Democrats. I mean, you know, people talk about last November's election. They were trying to blame it on Trump. Well, twice this, the Republicans in the Senate voted with the Democrats to spend trillions of dollars on infrastructure bills that, you know, I'm not seeing the infrastructure. <laughs> I mean, and and all this Inflation Reduction Act, I haven't seen inflation reduced. I mean, we needed to stop spending last year and have a big fight before the election so we could take the Senate. Instead, we had Republicans go along with it. It, it absolutely undermined what we needed to do. Fortunately, House candidates took, took the Democrats on in inflation, and we won just enough to take over the House. And now a lot of these House members are doing what they said they were going to do. And they're showing the corruption of the Biden administration, specifically the Biden family. They're, they're going after China in a way that, that, you know, letting Americans know how China has abused us and taken our jobs and spied on us and is exploiting us right now. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they're going to fight to stop taxes and they're going to fight to stop the wasteful spending. But uh, it's the backbenchers that are that are leading that fight because the people are behind them. And for the first time, the, the conservatives uh, in the party in the House are are truly represented across all of the committees and and with with good placement in the really the most important committees, judiciary, the subcommittee you just mentioned on weaponization. Uh, James Colmer is chairman of the Oversight Committee. I, I mean, the list goes on. Uh, strong conservative voices uh, and minds leading those uh, those efforts. It is, and they're off, in my judgment, to a very good start. Uh, I, you know, the test will be, of course, in the months ahead. But uh, even now, uh, as we as we sit here discussing this, the the national left wing corporate media is refusing to hold to account Joe Biden his administration or regime, if you prefer. He's refusing to hold to account Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer or the deep state that continues to bedevil and politically persecute President uh, Donald Trump. Uh, it's, it is a moment in history that is building towards something very large, very important, and this destabilization that we're witnessing, not only in this country, but in Europe as well, uh, and to a, a degree in Asia as well. This is deeply troubling. I totally agree. I was in Europe last week seeing clients over there. And you can see the people of, of Europe resent right now the fact that they're suffering because of these sanctions, that they're paying you know higher gas, fuel prices, et cetera. And certainly they don't like Russia. They want to, there's strong NATO allies that they don't want to be invaded. But on the other hand, they, there is no game plan from Joe Biden about how to end the war. Donald Trump has said he would end it in 24 hours, and it certainly would, have, would not have happened uh, if he was president. You know, no way Vladimir Putin would have gone into Ukraine when Trump was president because he would have known the consequences. And, you know, you're seeing right now where, uh, you know, people, you know, people are concerned about the war spreading and, and, and catastrophic consequences where there's intelligence reports coming out that we've got to worry about China and Russia 
and North Korea and Iran. Iran is very close to having a nuclear weapon if they don't already have it. And, uh, you know, th these these are really rogue states. They're not democratic. Um, and, you, you know, the world is very worried about what's going on right now. And they, they're not getting the leadership from America that they had with Donald Trump as president and uh, or that they've seen in the past from the United States. So a couple of questions is, is and I know you're limited in your time, but just a just a couple of more questions. What do you think of the? And I know this may be difficult, if not impossible for you to answer, but I'm curious about whether or not the political team the president has around him right now, in your judgment as a professional, uh, is better than what he had in 2020. We're speaking about Joe Biden or President Trump. President Trump. Good. Uh, it's better. It's leaner and meaner. Um, you've got uh, Susie Wildsman managing things. She met, ran Florida twice for the Trump campaign, and we won decisively twice. Uh, you have Chris Lasavita in there, and I've, I've worked with Chris before with Senator George Allen and when, when George was governor as well, um, and we've worked together since then. And Chris uh, is known for running the uh, super PAC efforts for his, the swift boat veterans against John Kerry. Um, and Jason Miller's back running communications. So there's, he's building a leaner, meaner team and they are raising money now as he goes in campaigns, you know, but not the big dollar country club sets. Ironically, he's the blue collar billionaire that uh, uh, people of America will send him 50 or hundred dollars online because they know he represents their interests. And, uh, you know, it is going pretty well, right, from what I hear right now, particularly after the CPAC speech where he really, you know, let the establishment have it. And he's coming out with very specific plans. A lot of his videos aren't really getting wide play from the mainstream media, but he's come out with specific plans about what he's going to do with the federal government, how he's going to close the border, uh, what he's going to do with China and trade and manufacturing. Um, but it's it's all basically, you know, messages that would play to the heartland. So I think the messages are better. The uh, uh, the basically that he's taking the offense, that he's taking the battle to Joe Biden. Uh, I mean, he attacks President Biden every day if he can. The fact that he is going into places with where uh, he's drawing a sharp, sharp contrast between Biden's failures and his successes and with specific plans that are different than you know, beyond what he did as president himself. So I think, you know, four years ago, they were afraid that, well, they, they didn't think Donald Trump would win. Now they're afraid he's going to win. <laughs> and it's going to get tougher because, you know, Alvin Bragg, I mean, the Soros DA in Manhattan is holding, mm -hmm. you know, like he's, he's, he's holding a grand jury talking about indicting the president on some stuff from the, the past campaign. You know, I mean, they're going to do whatever they can to stop him. And and even as we speak, the fact that the videos from uh, the January 6th committee that weren't released, that Kevin McCarthy, Speaker McCarthy, released now, and people can see, here they are, the police leading, Capitol Police, for some reason, leading these protesters into the Senate chambers, into the halls of Congress. And now you've got people in jail after being, you know, literally what some legal people are calling entrapped. Uh, there, by, you know, by the way, there's these, this, this video mm -hmm. leaves no question about the entrapment of the, uh, the shaman, so-called, the man with the, the Viking hat yeah. uh, and furs. 
uh, he was he he was being without question escorted through the Capitol, uh, and, and there was no tension even in the moment, let alone in any act that he that he took. Right. So uh, when we see all of this, uh, when the Americans see it for themselves, and I love the fact that Chuck Schumer is outraged mm. <laughs> that Tucker Carlson showed video uh, to the American people of that day. Uh, saying it's the most horrible thing he's ever witnessed in his life, uh, when in fact that tells you everything you need to know about these Marxist Democrats. Right. And that is that they would rather tell you what you're seeing than allow you to see it. Right. And if the American people are stupid enough to put these uh, uh, these Trotskyites back uh, in office, I, I will be I will be stunned this time. No, Schumer, what a disgrace! He got on the Senate floor yesterday and called for censorship of, of Fox News. Yeah. And, you know, some of us, you know, have, you know, differences about how they've covered some of the things. But let me tell you, uh, you know, to for the Senate leader of the United States to call for censorship, because he knows that ultimately he and Nancy Pelosi made a decision not to call the National Guard, not to put fencing around the Capitol, as they've done at the White House, that they allowed this to happen. And, uh, you know, and, and then they had a January 6th committee where they wouldn't even allow Trump Republicans on the committee. It was a kangaroo court. So yeah, was, this is an existential battle for the future of America like we've never seen before this election that's coming up. And, you know, I have to say this, you know, damn the national corporate media because mm -hmm. they have the power as well as the responsibility to have held these Democrats to account. Uh, and they have uh, greased the, the way forward uh, into decline for this nation because of uh, their conduct over the last six years. Uh, and, and you mentioned Bragg. I mean, we look around at these George Soros uh, DAs uh, playing politics, Fulton County. What a, what a strange place that uh, we would see uh, <laughs> indictments for uh, Donald Trump emanating from, uh, you know, one of the most left-wing counties in the in the country. Well, you saw the you saw the video of the of the grand jury forewoman. Yeah, the uh, witch. You're right, the Wiccan. <laughs> it's like she's bizarre, and and it's like. By the way, once you saw that, and once you saw the these videos from January 6th, you know it's undermining their. You know, this is the the Democrats of the party that gave us two phony impeachments. And, and, uh, and two, and two funny special counsels, too. Right. To, to stop the leader of the working men and women of the United States, that God help them that if the if the taxpayers really run the country instead of them. And, you know, we're, we're not going to be stopped this time. Yeah, it, it, we better not be, because I said that this the, the, the election of 2022 was existential, that the Republicans had to win uh, at least the House. They did just that, just barely. Mm -hmm. there, this can't be close in 2024. Uh, yeah. and, and by the way, Ronna McDaniel is not that person to lead the RNC. Uh, this, is, this had better not be amateur hour because there won't be any surviving it for this country. Uh, do, you, do you agree? Well, uh, as far as Ronna and the RNC, I've never worked for them. Uh, well, she's been the leader, so I really don't. Well, this know. is your chance to get a contract. <laughs> I've only, I've only. Uh, by the way, when Reagan was president, Arthur Finkelstein, I worked for his firm. You know, we did work for President Reagan through the RNC. When uh, George W. Bush was president, 
they hired us to, you know, after I worked for Steve Forbes, they hired us through the RNC to do work for President Bush, get him reelected. Right. But when you work for President Trump, they don't hire you. <laughs> so I don't know what's the problem with that. It must yeah, be my true. problem, I guess. It's, well, it's, it's actually Ronna McDaniel's problem. Uh, yeah. And it's the Republican Party's problem because the people, you're talking about country club Republicans. Man, that isn't a bunch. Uh, but it's all—it's an insult to every country club in the country, frankly. Wouldn't, wouldn't <laughs> say that. Uh, we always give our guests the last word, as you know, John. Uh, your concluding thoughts here. Well, you know, the great thing is we've started the year with some momentum. The country's problems have gotten even more serious. And clearly, when, when you're looking at that, people are really worried about the inflation, the economy, immigration and the border crime in our streets. Um, the only way we're going to solve this is a major change in the election, and it's a marathon. We, we are going to have to fight for this every day through the 320 days until we get to Iowa and win the caucuses. Eight days later, win New Hampshire. Then we've got to win in February. We've got to win in South Carolina. And once Donald Trump has the nomination again, the Democrats and the national establishment will go all out in every way possible to stop him. So uh, this is a historic battle coming again, and we've got to make sure that we elect again our historic president who beat them in 2016 and make sure we beat them again. John McLaughlin, as always, great to have you with us. Thanks, my friend. Thank you. John McLaughlin, thanks as always, and thanks everybody for being with us. We hope you have a great weekend. And Monday, our guest will be John Solomon, founder and editor-in-chief of JustTheNews.com. Please be with us for that Monday. Have a great weekend. Thanks, and God bless you. God bless America.